as we come to think about the things of our soul this day and how the world so often seeks to apply solutions to the spiritual void that unbelievers do feel, we know that there is something about us created by God for fellowship with him. Though we are fallen, we are meant for fellowship with God. Sinful man tries to deal with the spiritual life in a manner that satisfies his own wishful or selfish thoughts. In fact, that is the way in which godless people continue to work. They are looking always for something that fits in with their own preconceived ideas and with the kind of thoughts that allow them to continue on in sinful and selfish behavior in the most part, and yet also to be able somehow to say, but I know that all will be well. As we saw last Tuesday evening at our preparation service, the consequence of that thinking is that in fact people are rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To them, he is not the answer because he doesn't fit the kind of thinking that they have in their own minds, their thoughts, and their way of doing things. And as we saw Jesus as the rejected stone, the one that passed over, we could see how many do reject him. And on Tuesday, I challenged you concerning the rejection of Jesus, not only by the worldly, but specifically by those who claimed to be godly, those who were in the church. It was the righteous, the Pharisees, that he spoke to when he spoke about being rejected. And I said to you, could it be that you are under the word of God, yet still rejecting it? Could it be that you have been challenged by some area of your life, but are rejecting the word of God, rejecting those things, because of your own selfish, sinful nature. It doesn't fit with your idea of how things should be. And we noted why they rejected him. And that was why. Because it wasn't what they wanted to hear. And so, just as the stonemason going round the building site at Jerusalem, looking for a stones to fit into the wall often passed by some a particular stone. He would come to that stone at some point and say, ah, that's what I'm looking for. And he would take it and use it in the building. Rejected, passed over it many times, but perhaps at the very end, lifting that stone so often overlooked and recognizing it as the useful capstone or perhaps even the cornerstone. What a blessing that it is to be able to turn today from that more negative aspect of a rejected Savior to think actually about Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. And that is what we want to do at this point this morning. 
Now, if I use the term cornerstone and then slip into using capstone, you'll understand these two terms really refer to a similar thing, a very particular stone cut out, addressed, and fitted for a particular work. The cornerstone at the bottom of the building, the capstone, a stone that might have been used at the peak of the building. And the best way I can think of to describe a capstone is if you see an arched bridge and there's a keystone in the middle, that might be called a capstone. That stone is vital. Everything else rests upon it. Its shape and its position is vital. So in both cases, whether we call Jesus the cornerstone and the capstone, and there's some discussion about that, he is a stone that is very important. But we're thinking particularly, and I will hopefully use the term capstone, or the cornerstone throughout. Why? Because the stonemason, you see, looking over all the building material that might be available to him, would come to this particular stone. It may have been overlooked on other occasions for other things, but now he chooses it, and he takes it, and he makes a use of it in a vital position for his building. It fits for what he wants. It is also a stone that is perfect for the job. It therefore is a precious stone and is a stone that we will learn of Christ is faithful. And so, first of all, let me think about Christ as the chosen. He is the chosen cornerstone. As spiritual beings, we are very conscious of our failures and our sin. If you're not conscious of sin, and failure, let me warn you now, don't come to the Lord's table. This is for sinners. At times in the past, people have felt their sin so heavily they wouldn't come. And they had to be encouraged to come, but Christ died for your sin. But if you don't even have a consciousness of your sin, then the Lord's table is no place for you. Men have invented all times, kinds of schemes to try and improve their spiritual well-being, to find acceptance with God. And in all of the schemes dreamt up by men under their own thinking, Jesus Christ was rejected. But God has chosen him to be the cornerstone. And we read of that as we read in First Peter chapter 2. Here he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And we need to to think of that. That wasn't Peter's own words. That was the word of the prophet Isaiah. As he spoke, God was preparing a chosen cornerstone, a chosen Messiah, It reflects also, of course, to the Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected, having become the cornerstone or the capstone. And so, the Old Testament also was pointing people to the chosen one of God. It's saying to Israel, this is the way. 
not your way. You can't come to God with all your own ideas. God has chosen the way for you. And He, being the builder, He, being the one who knows the purposes, is the one whom you should listen to. God if you, is the builder working out what His desire is. And what is it He wants? He wants men in fellowship. We could put it another way. We could say he has looked among men to see if there is any adequate, any who could fit the bill, any who could be built as the chief cornerstone for the kingdom of God, for the church. And again and again and again, what has happened? He doesn't find any who fit the bill. Psalm 14, Psalm 53 reminds us that God looks at men And what does he find? He finds men unworthy. Men and women who are sinners. None righteous. No, not one. And so what did he do? He chose his own dear son, Jesus Christ. And he is the chosen one whom God sent that the church, that the kingdom might be built. And Christ is the cornerstone, absolutely vital and essential. See, we need to understand God's perspective and difficulty. Here's God, the holy, holy God, who cannot look upon sin. And he looks out at men and he sees those whom he created for fellowship and they are separated from him by sin. And he cannot fellowship with sin, for he must in his anger punish and destroy sin. So something had to be done. But no man, no scheme of man could do it. So God in his purpose chose to send his son Jesus Christ into the world to be a man. To take the sinner's place, to suffer on the cross, that his blood should be shed, that we might have life. And only through that chosen one can you and I approach and have fellowship with our holy God. And for his kingdom, for God's kingdom, Christ is not only King and Lord, but is center of everything and keys everything, if you like, to our God. God chose his own dear son to be the cornerstone. Have you chosen him to be your cornerstone? God sent him to be the one who would be our saviour. And you and I are today to celebrate that this is the only way by the bloodshed of Christ. But you must have put your faith in him. You must also have come by the help of God and chosen to live for Christ and to honor his name. Have you chosen him? What a delight and joy that in the midst of our deadness and sin, for many of us, the Lord has spoken and enabled us to come and choose Jesus. Secondly, 
Not only is he chosen, he is the perfect cornerstone. Just as that cornerstone that the builders pick out has to be the right shape. And if you think of the cornerstone, uh, today we lay foundations and we build on them. But in those days, it was different. That cornerstone was the stone to which every other part of the building took its line. Uh, When that cornerstone was in place, that gave the vertical direction, the horizontal lines, uh, and it was the the stone, if you like, at which the lines were all laid out from. Everything, if that stone was out of line, if that stone wasn't right, the whole building would be a shambles. It wouldn't be what it was intended to be. So it is with Jesus Christ. He is the perfect cornerstone. If some of those cornerstones that might have been chosen were rejected because there may be something bulging out here or, or a piece chipped off there, and that could affect the whole thing. Jesus Christ is the perfect cornerstone because He was the Son of God sent to become man, to be the substitute, to take the place of a man, to be man, fully man, and to know all that sin and temptation that comes to us, all that temptation that we fall into and follow us in, He knew the depth of that temptation. There's no temptation that comes to you or me that Jesus did not feel the weight of. In fact, he felt it more keenly. For so often, what happens to us, we give in and we sin, so we don't know how to resist or the great pain of resisting. But he resisted all temptation perfectly so that he did not sin. He obeyed the Father completely in every way. And yet, though he was without sin, he suffered the divine punishment for sin. Because he took your place, he took my place on the cross, suffering under the wrath of God for sinners. He was the perfect man the perfect cornerstone to deal with man's sin. We cannot deal with sin. No sinful man can deal with his own sin. It's an impossibility. No matter how much good you do, you cannot blot out the blot on the book. It just can't be done. Christ alone, by his blood, is able to do that. And if we think of the perfections of Christ An aspect of that, of course, is that he was the Son of God. And being God, man, he was equipped to deal with the enemy. And so when he was bearing sin on the cross and descended into the grave and to hell itself, he being God was able to defeat the enemy. He was the perfect one for that task. And we know he defeated because he is a risen Lord. We'll come back to his being alive later in the day. But he is the perfect cornerstone. Resisting sin, dying for sin, defeating sin and death, and rising to the glory of God. And friends, unless you are in Christ, you cannot 
defeat Satan, and you will continue in your sin and under the wrath of God. And that's the joy of his sacrifice that we remember. All of that is removed. And what a delight that in Jesus we don't have to worry about punishment for sin. He continues also to call people into his kingdom as the perfect cornerstone. He goes on today as the living one. And we as people are to be keyed into him. In fact, just as that cornerstone laid by the builders, and whatever they were building, especially affected every other aspect of the temple. So every one who would come to God must be keyed into Christ. He is the one who directs your life. He is the one who is to be the one who guides you in all that you do. The lines of your whole life should be flowing out of what Jesus speaks done for you. Because he is the perfect example, the perfect cornerstone. Thirdly, he is the precious cornerstone. Some people in the world might look at the cross. They come and they say to us, but, but he died on the cross. I mean, there was nothing particularly special about or precious about Jesus. He died on a, on a rugged cross and very strange circumstances as a Roman convict. What's precious about that? But look what is said of him. Again, the words of the prophet Isaiah as First Peter chapter 2 quotes them. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Friends, you and I need to remember that he is precious. He is precious, first of all, to God. He was precious to the Father. And when we ponder Jesus, let us remember how precious he was to the Father. Twice, at least twice, uh, uh, the, the example I'm taking is, first of all, from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry at his baptism. What was the voice from heaven say? The voice recorded in Mark chapter 1 verse 11. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Oh precious, precious. Friends, sometimes people think we love what is precious. But in fact, it really is the other way around. It is what is precious that we love. It is, what, it is what we really have embraced and see as something important to us. You see, something in this world that may not have any meaning or be, have any uh, value to someone else could be precious to you and you love that. And sometimes if people are carrying out uh, homes of, of, of a relative and the common stuff they think why did they keep this? it's worthless but to that person that momentum had value it reminded them it was precious memory of something and they loved it 
kept it for that reason. God loved his son. He was so precious to him. And yet, he sent him to die on the cross. At the very end, or towards the end of his ministry, on the Mount of Transfiguration, just before Jesus went to the cross, what did God say again? This is my son, whom I love. Why did he love him? He was precious to him, yet God sent him. And if he was so precious and loved by God the Father, then we are to take account of that. He saw God gave him up to the death of the cross. How much more precious he should be to you. That you in your rebellion, and indeed in your rejection of Jesus, have been brought to find him precious. Because his blood was shed for you. The story is told, the the parables in the Bible, the man who finds the treasure in the field, something that is precious. He goes and sells all to gain that treasure. Is Jesus precious to you that you give up all your sin and all your selfishness and put your trust in Him because you know how precious He is? Only by Him and by His blood shed is there everlasting life. Yes, Jesus Christ is precious. There's something very wrong with our understanding if we do not count him precious. So precious that no matter what this world does, you will not deny him. Do you deny him? Or is he truly precious? And we are being pressurized in our world today. And there will be pressure on us to deny that Jesus means anything to us. But if he is precious, we will not deny him. So Christ is a chosen cornerstone. He is the perfect cornerstone. He is precious. But I want this point finally to think about Christ as the faithful cornerstone. And what a treasure it is to read the word of Isaiah in chapter 28, verse 16, that First Peter here quotes. What does he say? Well, Isaiah puts it this way, a sto- laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, for a sure foundation, note, a sure foundation, the one who trusts will never be dismayed. Or as the NIV has it in in 1 Peter, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The world thinks you and I ought to be ashamed of believing in the Savior Jesus Christ. They'll tell us that is old hat and out of date and that all that flows out of Scripture is now uh, completely superseded by man's ongoing uh, growth. What a load of nonsense. We are never to be ashamed of Jesus Christ because here is the truth. When you put your trust in Him, you will never be ashamed before God. When you follow Jesus, He will be faithful and He will never disown you before God. 
the world, however, who disown him and reject him will be ashamed before God. The day will come on the judgment when they will stand and they will say, Lord, and they'll be ashamed that they heard the gospel clearly proclaimed. They were called to repentance but never obeyed. But he who trusts in Jesus Christ will never be put to shame because he is faithful that whosoever comes and calls upon him will never be cast out. We will stand. That's the joy of knowing the blood shed for you. You will stand before God in all his holiness, clothed in robes of righteousness, worthy. And you will never be ashamed because Jesus Christ is a faithful cornerstone, a sure foundation. And so friends, as we come to take these things that speak of his death, let us delight in the cornerstone that he is. Let us remember him chosen by God. Man wants to foist on other men their thinking. The only one who could choose for us a Messiah was God. And he has chosen the perfect cornerstone in Christ. The one uniquely, uniquely equipped to deal with man's sin as he came into this world as a man and suffered and died and rose victorious for he was God. And he is the precious one to all who believe. Precious also because day after day he remains faithful to upholding those who truly follow him.